You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Good morning. Um, my name is Kathy Vodnicker, and that was so long of announcements because as he kept going, I just kept getting more and more nervous as I was sitting there. But um, I'm going to breathe. I'm going to remember my mic somehow isn't going to fly off my head. It's attached to my ears, and I'm going to be thankful to be here standing before you. I love summer. I love it that I get to speak consistently in the summertime. I've always loved summer. Um, I was a child of the 80s, and so just fill in the blank of whatever you loved about the 80s, or maybe you were too young to even fully enjoy the 80s. But um, I was a child of the 80s. I love the music, and when I go to stores, I'm a little humbled that the fashion is coming back from the 80s. Um, But I did love that season, loved the music, loved all that stuff about it. And one of the things that happened to me in the 80s, probably like the mid-80s, is I started working. I had my first summer job, and my first summer job was that I scooped ice cream. I grew up outside D.C. um, on the Maryland side of the line, and so I worked at this ice cream place called York Castle Ice Cream. And so I don't know what you imagine about ice cream places or whatever, but my ice cream store where I worked, because it was right outside D.C., was run by these two Jamaican guys. And so I loved going to the ice cream store. And what I loved about it is that when I went to work, um, you could see just the diversity and the diverse group of people walk in the door. And I loved it. Um, Our busiest night was on Sunday nights and in the summertime what people would want to have was be peach ice cream they'd be so excited like when's the peach ice cream but because before you know local and whatever like local whatever you want to talk about that but before that was even popular these guys were making just fresh awesome yummy local ice cream and so people would walk up and they'd be like can we have some strawberry let's say oh we don't do strawberry but we do mango we do lychee nut we do grape nut and we do rum raisin but I love that job and I love that work because I love people and I love different kinds of people and I loved in that moment working at an ice cream store literally giving them what they wanted um But as I was thinking about the 80s and thinking about work, the reality I realized as I'm getting older is that I've been working off and on now for 30 years. And that's a lot of work. Um, And that's a lot of ups and downs with my work. And this past year with my work life, um, I really struggled. It was a point of struggle for me. And so when um, I was asked to speak here at RCC, I started thinking about, Lord, what do, you want to talk, what do you want me to talk on? What do you want me to speak on? And I started thinking, God, I could speak on my strengths or I could speak out of weakness and where I've really struggled this year. And so, Lord, teach me. Teach me in your word. Teach me what you have to say to me, not about when we come together the one day a week on Sunday, but God, teach me what you have to say in your word about work about what we do, what we all do, the other six days of the week. Father, I thank you so much for the body of Christ. I thank you that you do desire to see us move with authority and power by your Holy Spirit in Jacksonville. Father, I thank you so much that you have a word for each and every one of us today and that some of us have already heard it in the worship, some of us have heard it in the offering and when we get coffee, but some of us will hear it right here, right now because of the reading of your word. Father God, come, let your spirit fall afresh on us today. Teach us, teach us what it means to be loved at work. In Christ's name, amen. So what does God say about work? When I'm thinking about work, I want to know where is the first time um, 
Where's the first time in the Bible it's talking about work? Where is the word work, where is the word work used for the first time in the Bible? And then, so if you have your Bibles with, it, with you, you can look at them, but it's in the beginning. And in the beginning, right in Genesis, the Bible uses the word work. And we find it here in Genesis chapter... Shiny object. Um, that is always... Um, that is... <laughs> <laughs> That's, I didn't know that was coming. Okay, that is, um, I'm just going to do that. Um, that. No, that looks even worse. Okay, but, um, <laughs> but um, so it is found in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, says this. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. And on God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work and the creating that he had done. And we also see this word work used again in Genesis chapter 2. We see it in Genesis chapter 2, 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And so when we begin to start this conversation about work, we see this word work right here. It's used. It's a Hebrew word, and I believe it's spelled M-L-K-H. And because there's no vowels in it, I have no idea how to pronounce it. But it's spelt M-L-K-H. And that word is the ordinary, it's the word for ordinary human work. It's the word for ordinary human work. And so when I see that word work used in the second chapter of Genesis, I am blown away that God is using that word work and he is using it to describe creation. In Genesis chapter 1, we see that God created the heavens and the earth. He created the land and the sea. He created the stars and the moon. He created the, you know, whatever, the plants. He created the animals, and he created us. In Genesis chapter 1, 27, it says this, that God created man, um, that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created him. And so when God looks back at work, when God looks at the work that he, done, cre- that he did, creation, he uses the word work to describe it. And it's the same word work that talks about Adam and the garden work. The same use, ordinary human work. And when we start this conversation about work, one of the things I so quickly forget is that God created us for work and that work was created before the fall. That it's good That work is good. And we see too in Genesis, at the end of Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, we see this. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was the evening, and there was the morning, and there was the sixth day. So when God looks back on his work, he smiles. And he looks at it, and he says that it was very good. But really quick, I want to also just remind us that fact that God also sets up the reality of our work lives, that there's a rhythm to our work, that six days we work and that one day we rest. We weren't created, you know, to live a life of leisure, but on the flip side, we weren't created to work all the time. Six days of work, one day of rest, that there's a rhythm to our work. And I love it, like I said, when God looks at his work week, you know, and he looks at creation and he sees all that he has done. He looks back and he says that it was very good. But I think about my life and my work life and how many times do I look at the work that I've done and I think that it's very good. Because a lot of times what happens for me is that I look at the work that I've done and I think it's not enough. I didn't do a very good job. And then I fell short and that there's always more work to do. So it seems fruitless, and it seems like toil. And then sometimes when I think about work, 
I think about the reality that while I did that thing that I do, that I hurt people in that process, and that people hurt me. That there is a really real reality to our work, and there is this dynamic of brokenness to our work. Because unfortunately, what happens that we see that the Bible doesn't stop at Genesis 2. We see sin slither in in Genesis chapter 3. And we see the fact that, yes, in fact, that God, that we, there is a real enemy in our midst. And as Paul said earlier, we, ex- we, we felt the heaviness of that yesterday. We see that. We feel that. We feel that. And so there's these times when our work, absolutely, in Genesis chapter 3, it talks about the curse, and it talks about that work will feel like toil and thorn and thistles. And I'm sure that we can all relate that we've had days at work, and then we come home. What did you do? I feel like I got nothing done today. I feel like I got nothing done today. And we are all too aware that there's a brokenness in our work. There's a brokenness in the things that we do. But what I am so thankful for, as we said this morning and sang and proclaimed in worship, is that God doesn't leave us there, that that's not the end of the story, that the story is creation, the story is fall, but the story is resurrection, and the story is redemption, and it doesn't end in the fall, that yes, there's a brokenness to our work, that we were designed for it, there's a brokenness there, but God desires to redeem it. He desires to redeem our work. And that when we wake up and go to work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or whatever days that you work, when you wake up and go to work, you don't have to feel guilty and beat yourself up about the day of work before that you had, but you can cling to truth knowing this, that because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Because of Christ's love for us, um, because God's, I couldn't help but share this one too, but because God so loved the world, the reality is that he did. He gave his one and only son, that we shouldn't perish, that we should have everlasting life. And the good news is the fact that God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but he, saved, he sent it to save the world. And so when I wake up to go to work, I do not put on a coat of condemnation, I put on a robe of righteousness. I can look at the sins of the day before and I say, great is your faithfulness. Your compassions never fail. They are new every single morning because of his great love for us. Don't take God out of your work. Don't take God out of the other six days. I love this moment. I love Sundays. I love being with you. I hope I have the energy and the strength to go to the beach with you. I love, or all of us, not you and I, that doesn't sound nice, but us. I hope we can all go to the beach. I don't want to uh, you and I us, but you know that we can all go to the beach. I love it. But holy smokes, don't forget that his compassions are new on Monday too when you get up and you go to work and that he cares about your work. Your work is covered under the umbrella of his love. It's covered in that cross, that thing you do the other six days of the week. When, I, um, when I'm trying to figure out, like I said, I don't know if I even said this earlier, but trying to figure out work in a context of a bigger story. So I go back and I look to creation, that time that God created work and it was good and it was created before the fall, but then the fall came and it you know, messes everything up. But then I can stand in the cross and know that God is redeeming my work. He wants to redeem my work. Negative circumstances at work don't define me. My identity in Christ defines me. Negative circumstances at work don't define me. My identity in Christ defines me. How do I know? I go to his word. Where do I go in his word? The book of Ephesians. Um, My book of, you know, my, I'm not going to, 
My, um, the book of Ephesians in my Bible, this is the second time I've worn out the book of Ephesians. It's like the pages are falling out because for me, it's my go-to book that when I'm trying to figure out, God, what are you saying? What do you say about me? What do you say about my place in the world? What do you say about the body of Christ? What are you saying? What are you speaking over us? I go to the book of Ephesians. How does God, how do I know that God's redeeming my work? How do I know that God's redeeming me? Ephesians chapter two, verse four, I'm going to start and we're going to end on verse 10. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of grace expressed in his kindness to Christ, in Christ Jesus. For it is grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared us in advance to do. I'm going to read that one more time, just that last verse, because I love it. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared us in advance to do. And I love in that scripture, it uses the word we, and it uses the word us. It uses the word we, and it uses the word us. Oh. Um, and sometimes, too, when I, um, when I go, I do go to the book of Ephesians to try to figure out, God, who, I, who am I, and who, who do you say that I am, and who do you say that you are? Um, and I go to the book of Ephesians, and I look in that, and I look in Scripture to try to figure those out, because I know that God's Word doesn't change, and I know that God is good yesterday, today, and forever. I know that to be true. But also, how God has made me, I can't help it. It's how I'm hardwired. I see God in all things. So not only do I see God in creation, like I see God as I drive around this morning, and I see that moon. Have y'all seen that moon? Holy smokes, does the light cry out in the darkness or what? I see that moon is amazing. If you haven't seen it, go out tonight and look at the moon. But also, I see God not in just creation, but I see him in the people that he's created. And so if I see God in the people that he's created, I can't help it, but I see him in the culture. And if I see him in the culture, when I look at God, what does it look like? What does it look like to be created, um, that God's workmanship created in your image to do good works in Christ Jesus? I can't help it. I look at Dillon, Texas. It's where I go. And if you don't know what Dillon, Texas is or what Dillon, Texas is all about, what I go to wonder, I go and I look at the culture at large. And so I go and I look at Friday Night Lights. And when I think about the culture and when I think about what does it look like to be created in God's image to do good works, I look at the tailors. And I look at the tailors because I think here in the culture, you know, fictional people, not real people, but I look here in the culture are this, is this couple who drastically change the community that they work in because of the work that they do so well. And when you think of Coach Taylor, he's a football coach. He coaches football, high school football. And when you think of Coach Taylor, you can't help but think of him and the honor and the integrity that he moves in. And you can't think about the fact, the impact that he has on these young men, and you see their lives transformed. Wow, how, how, why? Because of the good job that he does. Because he's God's workmanship created in his image in a fictional way. Do you know what I'm saying? But anyway, and then I look at Coach Taylor, but I also can't help it. And I look at his wife, I look at Tammy, and I see the reality that Coach Taylor is Coach Taylor. His real name is Eric, you know, but he's a high school coach to the nth degree. But I look at his wife and what she does, and you see a woman in her 40s 
that God, that, not God, I just keep saying like they're real people, they're not real people, but that you see a woman, you have this role model of a woman in her 40s who you see embrace a whole new career and a whole new walk of life. And you see the impact that these people have on this town. And I talk about them like I know them, like they're real and they're fictional characters. They're fictional characters. But when I prepared this talk and when I thought about us, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, that he's created us in advance to do good works. When I think about the we and the us, and I think about who we are in the body, I am amazed at what God's called us to do and the work that you do outside of the church. I'm amazed at the reality that you're a lawyer. I'm amazed at the reality that you choose to stay home with your kids I'm amazed at the reality that you're an accountant and that you bake bread. And I'm amazed at the fact that you create stories. And I'm amazed at, at those things that we do. And I don't need to feel jealous over those things that you, that you do because it's we, because it's we do, because we're part of the body. And I'm blown away that you're an engineer. And I'm blown away by the things that we choose to do those other six days. Because what I know that we do when we go out and we work those other six days is that we're changing Jacksonville because you are created in the image of God. You are God's workmanship created in his image. And so you go and when you sell things or when you work in advertising, whatever you do, that you do it in his name and that you treat people with dignity and honor because you can't help it because you're created in his image. The job, some of the jobs that I'm also amazed by is jobs that create order out of chaos. You know, and I think about what you do. I'm not even sure what you do. But I know that you go in with a team of people in their homes, sometimes in their homes or sometimes crunching numbers or whatever, and you bring order out of chaos. It's amazing to me to think about what we do as a body and how we emulate the face of God. And then some of us, we create beauty. And that gift blows me away, how people create beauty. They create beauty in their homes and they create beauty in their works by what they do, by what they do the jewelry they make. It's amazing to me what happens and what people do. And it's amazing to me to think in God's economy that um, principals and teachers and custodians are all in the same playing field, that there's no difference, that there's no difference. And when I think about work, I think about the reality that God made a garden and he put Adam in it to do good works. He put Adam in it to do good works. He created a garden. He put Adam in it to do good works. And that when Jesus came, he didn't come as a king. He didn't come as a, car- he didn't come as a king. He didn't come as a politician. He came as a carpenter. And he worked with his hands. And he worked with his hands. And I am a fool if I put work of your head over work with your hands. They're the same in God's economy. They're the same. Tim Keller wrote a brilliant book with um, Catherine Alsdorf about work. And it is, um, it is a fantastic book about work. And I wish that I could share every little single thing and every little nugget in it. But what I'm going to do this morning for you is I'm going to give you the spoiler special and literally t- share with you the, the second to last paragraph in the book. Um, so you can read the book, you can borrow the book, but here are the cliff notes right here um, talking about work. Did we get that quote? Are we good? No? Okay, here we go. In the Christian view, the way to find your calling is to look at the way you were created. Your gifts have not emerged by accident, but because the creator gave them to you. But what if you're not at the point of running in the Olympics or leading on the world stage? 
What if you're struggling under an unfair boss or a tedious job that doesn't take advantage of all your gifts? It's liberating to accept that God is fully aware of where you are at any moment and that by serving the work you've been given, you are serving him. It's liberating to accept that God is fully aware of where you are at any moment and that by serving the work you've been given, you're serving him. You're serving him. I don't know, um, when I look back on this past year and my life with work, I don't know. I was sometimes wonder, I can't help, I can't help but wonder um, if reading that quote would have helped me this past year. If it would have helped for me to know and to remember the reality that God sees me and he sees me right where I am and he sees the work I'm doing and that by the work that I'm doing, that I'm serving him, no matter what the work is, that I'm serving him. No matter what our work is, we're serving him. We don't need to be jealous of one another's work. We can take delight in the fact that we are serving him. And I wonder this past year if I would have known that truth, if that would have given me hope. Because my reality this past year in my regards to work is that I really struggled with work. And I really struggled with work because I didn't work with my head. And I really struggled with work because I didn't get a paycheck. I really struggled with work this past year because I lost my job. And, um, and it was hard. And I can't even, like, I, I wish I could convey, like, in this moment, all the crazy emotion that I would feel sometimes um, as I was at home and I wasn't working. It was those days that I was supposed to go to work. Um, my previous job was that I was a tutor, not, and I was a math tutor. And not only was I a math tutor, I was a math tutor to high school kids. And not only was I a math tutor to high school kids, I was a math tutor to high school kids on the north side. And not only was I a math tutor with high school kids on the north side, I was a math tutor with high school kids on the north side in a dropout prevention program. How cool did I think my job was? How cool did I think my job was? And how did I struggle when that was gone? I said that we are a fool to think if the work of our heads is higher than the work of our hands. And I look back on this past year and I think I was foolish. I was foolish. And I am so thankful for the friends that came alongside and loved me anyway. And I was so thankful as I got ready to talk about work. God, what does that mean to put work in a bigger story? That you created us for it? That yes, there's brokenness there and you want to redeem it? I was so thankful. I am so thankful for the body of Christ. And I am so thankful for the reality for me. If I was going to give that talk on um, coming, talking out of our strengths, that, that, that talk would be, I'll just move aside, that talk would be um, talking about loving strangers. That was going to be my other talk, loving strangers, because I'm really good at that. But anyway, that wasn't my talk, loving strangers. That wasn't it. But I'm really good at loving strangers. And so what that means for me in the body of Christ is I have no fear to really literally be any one of your friends in this given moment. 
I just don't. I don't. And you might think, no, she doesn't really want to be my friend. No, really, I do. I do. I just do. I do. And the more you get to know me, the more you'll realize that's true. And that happens at the grocery store and when we're hanging out. But I do. I have this profound love of strangers. It's just who I am. It's how God made me. But so what that looks like in the body of Christ, what I bring to the body of Christ in that moment, in a sense, is that I need diverse friends. I need friends who look desperately different than me. I need older friends and I need younger friends. I need friends who work in the world and I need friends who honor and lift up the work of their hands. And I need friends who, like in Ephesians, that are going to speak the truth in love over me and remind me of big picture truth. And then I need friends who are are just going to cry with me and continue to be sad with me that I lost my really cool job. And in those moments, sometimes when I thought back about the reality that I lost my really cool job, I would think to myself, if only I had a job, things would be so much better. If only I had a job, things would be so much better. And then I took it from my work, then I took it to this, if only I could master the laundry, (laughs) things would be so much better. You know, because what we do is that we change, you know, what do I do? What do I do in that moment with that if only? What am I doing? I am taking something like work that was designed for good, and I am making it what is best. And in that moment, when I stick those if onlys, whether it's work or it's laundry, I'm creating a nice little idol for myself. And I'm saying, God, no, really, if only I was working, my life would be so much better. I'd be so much happier. I'd be so much more loved if only for one day the laundry baskets would be empty. There'd be freedom in my house. There'd be peace and joy would reign supreme. But that's not it. That's not it. God loves us so much. He loves us so much that he doesn't want the good to replace the best. And what is the best? The best is him. The best is him. I love friends who speak the truth in love. And one of my good friends said this to me as I was like, well, do you think that I should, you know, what do you think I should do next? Like, what job should I do next? What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? You know, what do you think I should do? Should I work full-time, part-time? Because what's hard about being a, um, a homemaker is that my kids are at the age where nobody's home. And so I'm great. I was a great, you know, I was a great stay-home mom when everybody came up to about my hip and everybody was home. I mean, I was really great at that. And I can even say that in a public place because I didn't live here. And so there's no one here to contradict me in this moment. But I mean, I was amazing. I was, I mean, wow, I was great. You know, but now all of a sudden I'm called to stay home, but nobody's home. And I'm called to work with my hands. And not only, and I'm called, I'm the one all of a sudden that's called to bring mess to the, um, that's called to bring, that's called to, I'm called to bring mess. I'm called to create more dirty laundry. No, I'm called to bring order to the mess. And I'm like, God, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. And I feel like the Lord so many times is like, Kelly, don't worry about your calling. Just know that I've called you. Don't worry about your calling. Just know that I've called you. And so, like I said, one of my friends, as she was watching me, and she was talking to me struggle about work, she said this, and she said, um, she said this, she's like, Kathy, here's the bottom line. It's not work, it's your identity that's all wiggly squiggly all over the place. And I'm like, oh, you're right. Isn't it fun to have friends that'll cry with you and hold your hand and friends that will speak the truth and love to you? And she's right. What gets messed up is my identity. Because what I want to do is I want to take something that's valuable, work, and I want to put all my value in it. But that's not why God created work. 
God created work for so many reasons. He created work so that we could love him, so that we could serve others. He created us that we see when Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Doing work with Jesus is it's meant to be easier because God frees us from the work because the work has already been done. The work has already been done. And when I wonder about my identity, when I wonder about who I am, where do I go? I've told you over and over. We've talked about it again. I go back to the book of Ephesians. And so I want to close by reminding all of us, not just myself, because I could wake up tomorrow morning and forget really quick, and that's why I need the body of Christ to remind me who I am, to remind me who I am in the body, to remind me who I am in Jacksonville. But God says this about us. Um, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the things that are highlighted are our... um, are our identity pieces. So when we forget who we are, we can go back to God's word. We can go back to our word, God, back to God's word. When you feel like your, um, your head gets too big because you did a great job at work, or you feel like your heart is crushed because you failed, if you feel like if you've got some if-onlys and you start making, you know, you start crafting those idols, you replace it with this, knowing who Christ is and knowing who you are. Praise be to the God, our Father, a God, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, because he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of his will, to the the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves." That verse, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, I um, sometimes I do. I love the word. I feel like one of the things God created me is a teacher, and so it's in the church and outside the church. And that phrase right there, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, in the NIV, I don't feel like it kind of says what, I can't connect with it, but I can connect with the King James. I don't, also don't know what that says about me, but um, here it is. It says this, Where he, wherein he has made us accepted in the Beloved that he has made us accepted in the beloved. You don't have to fear about rejection at work because he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. God created work to be good. He created work to be good. He created us for work. He made us in his image. And that, yes, work is broken and it gets messed up and we have these yucky things at work, but God desires to redeem our work and to redeem the work, whether it's with our heads and with our hands. And he reminds us and desires us to know over and over again that, yes, work, work is valuable, but it is not where you find your value. Please stand.